Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. I am in Detroit with the Padres. Jay Posner, sports editor of the Union Tribune. My boss, Jay, the trade deadline's eight days away. The Padres just took two out of three against the Mets, one of the best teams in baseball, record-wise. And now they go, or they are here, got in very late last night. They're they're the lucky ones. They got in late last night. Um <laughs> <laughs> to uh, to play one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball. Where should we start? Well, the Tigers stink, but we can get back to that. Okay. We can get back to that later. I, I did some quick some quick number crunching, which of course means going on Baseball Reference and look at a couple of things. But I, I think we should start with the Padres. You know, if we had had this podcast yesterday morning, yeah, this time yesterday, we would have talked about wow, what a what a fast start to the second half, and they got. You know, they won the way that the blueprint is, where they got the, you know, two really well-pitched games, um, Darvish especially on Friday. Uh, Blake Snell was, you know, he was Blake Snell, but he only walked two guys. One of the walks was was a bad call, um, although then he got a call. So that guy was so off the wall. The it was. Day, Every hard, time I looked and I to wanted say. to say, oh, this guy is like, oh, wait a minute, two pitches later. Yeah. yeah. So it was just it was crazy. But hey, Jim Wolf's got some guns on him, doesn't he? So there there was that. But anyway, and you know, they got just enough hitting. Uh, Hosmer homered Friday, I think. And yep. Hosmer um, and Grisham. And and right and Grisham later. Manny homered Saturday, uh, right after he arguably could have, should have struck out. But oh. you know, he still got hit the ball over the wall after that. Yep. And um then yesterday happened, and they had you know their all-star Joe Musgrove on the mound, and and he was fantastic for what four innings, um, gave up a couple hits, was worked out of it, out of the you know got the escape patch at the bottom of the order, got out of that, and then it all fell apart. And but like you said, they won two out of three, um, still not hitting a whole mm. Uh, mm. Uh, or at all basically, other than those couple home runs, and then they they got some you know, runs in the ninth inning last night that forced the Mets to use Edwin Diaz, which I guess doesn't really help the Padres down the, the next week. It might help whoever the Mets are playing next. But uh, I don't know. What did you what did you see? And uh, there's certainly nothing that we saw over the weekend that changes anything in terms of what the Padres need in the next right. week, which is a combination of a bat or two and a bat or two to come back into their lineup and a bat or three or six to hit better among the guys they already have. Yeah, look, I thought that those first two victories were perfectly acceptable because you were facing, I mean, Chris Bassett was on. Absolutely. And you were facing Max Scherzer, who is filthy, okay? I mean, wow. And yeah, so they won you both get games. a lot of hits. And that's how you get you you get beat if you're one of those pitchers, is you yeah. make a mistake or two, or you know, you probably made four or five mistakes, but a couple of them get hit really far by good players, and 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 that's how you beat those aces, right? right. And so I thought that was fine, even though hanging over it, the Padres were 0 for 14 with runners in scoring position in those right. two games. And right. so same, same deal, right? But but it's okay because they were two because aces. The, then yeah, Carlos the playoffs, Carrasco, those- who, by the way. Those are the guys you see in the playoffs. Right, right. Yeah. And that's how you, you you know, you might do a little more situational stuff in the playoffs, but that's going to be how you win, right? Those kind of scores and, and that sort mm-hmm. of thing, or you would think. Um, Carlos Carrasco, who's a good pitcher, uh, but the Padres, that was probably the one where you said, all right, hey, look, they have the favorable matchup here. And, and early on, 
couple long foul balls. Uh, Austin Nola has a ball that's probably seven or eight feet from going out, or I shouldn't say that. I was confusing that with another one. That was probably three or four feet from going out. Yeah. Um, was going to be extra bases. Uh, they hit like three or four balls, uh, 100 miles an hour plus exit velocity. They had six hits off Carrasco, but no runs. Right. So, uh, and until it was too late, they were over again with runners in scoring position and finished three for 26 for uh, the series. So it's the same deal. There really is nothing more to say about the offense except, oh, no, no timely hits. Okay. Thank goodness you're going to play the Tigers. So there you go. That's it. No, that's that's true. And the the Tigers, the one thing you say about their pitching is it's better than their hitting. Their, I their pitching that. is twenty first in ERA uh, in baseball at four point one seven. They're facing Drew Hutchison, I believe, tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know tomorrow, and they will see the Tigers' best pitcher, Tariq Skubal. Uh, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Tarek Skubal, yes. Tarek Skubal, so I was close. It tells you who the Tigers are, that Jay Posner, yeah. who's pretty no up idea. on this stuff, doesn't know no how to idea, pronounce it. But he, he does have – he's the one pitcher in their rotation that has a adjusted ERA of 101. He's just over league average there at 101. But he has his, – his actual ERA is 388. His FIP is 293, which is very, very good. Huh. So he's obviously pitched pretty well. This year, he'll pitch the day game on Wednesday, which means it's him and Darvish um, matching up. I guess you'd say two, you know, two aces, although the Padres have a couple of aces. But uh, yeah, the Tigers, as I've I've researched and I know you've done more on the Tigers because uh, you're responsible and you're prepared for the show for four minutes. Um, But as (laughs) I've done research over the season, the course of the season at various times on how the Padres, you know, rank, uh, be it home runs, OPS, uh, these sorts of things. And they're down there and slugging and all that. One of the teams that is always around them has been there in (laughs) April, been there in May and is there now is the Tigers. So tell me how bad the Tigers are offensively. There are a couple of things I came up with with the Tigers. One of them is they have no one on the team with 10 home runs. Okay. They have, they have no one on the team with more than 36 RBIs. Um, they, But the best thing is they have only, only two guys on the roster, I believe, have an OPS of higher than 675 for, as okay. a, on the whole team. So um, higher Harold, than bad. <laughs> Harold Castro, who's their first baseman, Eric Haas, who's their catcher, they're both in the 730 to 740 range in terms of OPS. But they are the team is 27th in batting average. Their on-base percentage is 285. They're 29th. Their slugging is last at 330. I mean, the Padres are the Padres don't slug at all. No. They're 26th in slugging, but they're at 374. The Tigers are at 330. Uh, and the Tigers' OPS is at 6.15, which is just ahead of the A's at, at 6.11. The Padres, as much as we talk about their offensive struggles, are at 6.90. So Detroit is 38-58. and 58. Uh, Their Pythagorean uh, record on baseball reference is actually five games worse than that at 33-63. and 63. This, again, this is the kind of series where the Padres in the past maybe didn't take care of business against a bad team. They need to take care of business against this bad team, especially at a time now where they're going to come home and play the Twins and the Rockies. And as we talked about last time, the Rockies don't sound like much except when they play the Padres. And then they're going to have to go to L.A. So it's a good time for the Padres to to pick up some wins 
we have what Manaya today, Clevenger, and Clevenger tomorrow, and then back to Darvish on Wednesday. So three uh, uh, three guys who have all been in the American League, um, assuming they have all spent time, especially Clevenger, pitching in Detroit since he was in the division. But I'm sure they all have experience, unlike you, at Comerica Park. So yeah, that's that's kind of where the Tigers are. They, they did win six in a row early in July, and since then they've lost 11 out of 13. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a bad team, and it's a, it's a good time to uh, maybe pick up a little cushion in the wild card race. Notice that I said the wild card race. Yeah, uh, that's all. That's the only race that matters at this point. It's, it's in that four seed, baby. Yeah, I mean, the best thing that happened over the weekend for the, for the Padres was the Dodgers winning four straight against the Giants. I mean, I know Padre fans – it's never easy to root for the Dodgers, but I'm sure if you were really thinking about it, you thought this is a great weekend with the Dodgers beating up on the Giants. The Cardinals are also struggling. They, now they have two; their best two players aren't going to go to Canada for a couple of games. The Phillies are still struggling. So, uh, you know, the Braves lost yesterday. So it was, you know, yesterday was actually a pretty good day for the Padres until they played. So, uh, so uh, uh, Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado couldn't even go across the. The river here, where I'm at. You're you're probably looking at it right now, right? If I know the hotel that you're probably in, you're looking at the river, and Windsor is right across the way, and they could not pass over into Windsor. So yeah, yeah, that's uh that's delightful. It is. It's a nice it's a nice place. Detroit gets a bad rap. I love I love it. Um, so you brought Great up talk. Darvish. So real quick, yes, yeah. five man rotation, and I can't remember if we talked about that last time. I think it's a big deal because they've been they were on a six man rotation all of May. All of June into July, before the break, it was going to be, oh, yeah, we're good. Uh, we'll come back. Gore will be in there. No, he's not. And right. he'll be in the bullpen. And uh, Bob Melvin said it's not guaranteed that when they have that doubleheader that Gore's the one. He may be, or maybe it's Reese Kinnear. Um, yeah. You know, that, that that makes a start. And the way their bullpen is set up now, you know, Nick Martinez is no longer a long man, but you've got Gore, you've got Morajon who can give you two if he hasn't pitched in a while, maybe even more if he's very efficient. Um, and and so if they brought up Kinnear, which they probably will anyway because of the, they'll get an extra uh, pitcher for the doubleheader, sure. you know, they can piece something together. They're in good shape with the bullpen, but we're, we're back to a five-man rotation save for that – that stretch there, or what is it? Is it 14 games in 13 days? I believe yeah. it is because of the doubleheader. Yeah. Um, it is. So then they have an off day. Then they have 10 in a row, which maybe again they do, but I don't think so. I think we're looking at a five man rotation. Who knows? Maybe they get Luis Castillo uh, from from the Reds, and you know we're back to a six man, or or uh, Blake Snell got traded. But the way that the Padres are sitting now, um, it, it it's uh, I believe it's a five man rotation. Okay, you just caught people's attention there with a couple of names. So what, you know. Yeah. Um, look, the number one priority, and and I don't know who they've talked to the Nationals about. They've, they definitely have talked to the Nationals and obviously are in on Juan Soto. And I, I think that there's something of a trickle-down effect, right? You've got to know, are you in on Juan Soto? Or what are you doing over here with Wilson Contreras? Um, mm-hmm. What maybe a left fielder that you want to get? Are you uh, rating the Cubs? Are you rating the Reds? Um, you know, what are you doing? Because, you know, you're going to have to give up a lot to get Juan Soto. That doesn't mean you couldn't do both. I do not know if the Padres would do Juan Soto and someone else. Um, well, I, I think the other part of that is if you are getting Juan Soto, 
don't you have to shed some salary somewhere? Um, so that's another, and you're probably not going to shed salary to the to the Nationals. You um, you you may have to, but I'm also told that the salary component of it just isn't a huge concern for them. Now I don't know what the reality of that is, but two people have said it's it's not a big concern for them. Yes, they are trying to shed three contracts. Um, when I say trying, I don't know how hard they're trying to get rid of Blake right. Snell. Blake Snell's available. They're trying. I don't know how realistic it is. Eric Hosmer. They are trying with Will Myers. Will Myers is available. All right. He's probably playing first base down there because of that. He is, you know, um, he, he, he will come back. He'll play. But uh, Will Myers is available. So they're trying to shed salary. My understanding is it's not a necessity to shed salary. Right. I don't understand all that. That's a yeah. lot of money. Now you do have the off season to get rid of some of that uh-huh. because you know next year Juan Soto makes you know uh, 30, 35 million. He could be the highest paid Padre next year. There's what seven, eight, nine million dollars left on his contract now uh, for this year. Yeah, I mean if he's making if he's making seventeen, seventeen, um, then it's it's probably seven. somewhere around six. Uh, six um, yeah. Because it'd be about a third. You figure it's, if, if you get him in the next week, uh, a little over a third. So yeah, six or seven on uh, on that. And and if he's at seventeen this year, he's probably going to be at what twenty seven to thirty next year. I don't know exactly how how much the uh, the arbitration probably. would would go up. So. I don't think Probably he's not going to double how his he finishes, but it's it's going to yeah. go up a bit. And then uh, the next year of arbitration, if you know, again, there's noise that the Padres could re-sign him. I don't see how that happens yeah. either. But hey, whatever. Uh, but uh, his second year of arbitration, he would be the highest-paid Padre. Uh, I can't imagine he wouldn't. So yeah, no, that's uh, uh, that's true. And uh, although there was a tweet from uh, from a radio person, national radio person today that. A lot of buzz about the Padres trading Tatis for Soto. Um, so there's there's um, <laughs> there's a no trade clause. I don't I don't yeah. really understand where this all coming from because yeah. there've been a couple of prominent people that have said this. It it's almost worrisome because I mean, what don't I understand about a full no trade clause? No trade. Yeah, I I don't I don't know. It seems pretty simple, and I mean, the only way to get around a full no trade clause is to get the permission of the and, player involved and why would Fernando Tatis say, yeah, I'm here in San Diego. This team spends money. I've got Manny Machado next to me. They're going to bring in Juan Soto maybe. And please. Yeah. Okay. I'll go to Washington. Sign I'll, me up. I'll, I'll, I'll ask another, why would the nationals yeah. do that taking on now it's decent well, it, money for right away, but it gets up there. He will be well, very if, well compensated. And you, if you're another team, let's just be real, have to say, Fernando Tatis Jr. has not played a full season. Exactly. I mean, it's less money than they offered, than they allegedly offered Soto, uh-huh. uh, but probably $100 million less. Yep. So you could, you could make that case. But still, if you're from a Tatis standpoint, why, why in the world would Tatis agree to a trade to a, to a team like the Nationals at this uh at this stage. So, but I did feel like I needed to uh, bring that up so you could tell everybody why we should not look for that to happen. The um, Do you wonder ever Jay why I hate this time of year? <laughs> Kevin, I I don't wonder why you hate any time of year actually with the uh 
<laughs> with the way things are. So I, I, I would uh, I, I would I would go that far, except except maybe you know the off season when it when you can when there's that one stretch of the off season where where nothing usually happens and it's like you know then it's granddaughter time. So then you know that you don't. Uh, I'll, I'll give you that part of the year. Well, you've been very kind about my off season, so I actually enjoy that uh, very much. Of course, we won't have the wonderful off season we had uh, this last one, where for two months nobody, well, there was no danger of anyone doing yeah, anything. The greatest great. off season ever. Exactly. You, could we you just never have, had to worry. There are plenty of people in baseball too that wish that you could have a lockout every year, but it was <laughs> right. guaranteed to be lifted. You know, like in the middle of January. Yep. <laughs> um, so. No, you never had to worry about me calling or anybody calling and saying, "Hey, did you hear about this?" or 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 you having to make calls or anything. It was it was nope. great. You no calls that, to uh, be made. Uh, all that was, uh, all that time. No um, worry, nothing. Uh, whereas this time of else? year, every time my phone buzzes, I go, "What what's going on?" Right, right. It's terrible. Um, I was trying to think if anything else happened over over the weekend. Um, Fernando Tatis Jr. last night yes, told me yes. that. Uh, He's been swinging. Uh, um, I'm like, on the field? And yes. he says, yes. And, and, and I, I said, in the afternoon? Yes. <laughs> okay. It's just, it's the same on the field as it would be in the cage. It's just mm-hmm. on the field, so it sounds sexier, right? Yeah. Um, so, but still, okay, so now he's out there on the field, right? And expects to do that a couple more times here at Comerica, Comerica Park and then face live pitchers. It's what they've talked about is to sort of shorten the rehab, bring in some pitchers for him to face. Plus, he could probably face uh, Pierce Johnson. He could face Drew Pomeranz and, uh, you know, get quite a few, a couple dozen at bats, two, three days in a row, then mm-hmm. go on a rehab. Fernando says it'll be San Antonio. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and, uh who knows? Who knows? Um, the timeline that you could be thinking about is the end of next week. That's if everything goes well, but it does seem to be progressing uh, about like they said. And and who do they play at the end <gasps> of next week and the beginning of the following week? <gasps> a place uh, where Fernando Tatis Jr. is already a legend. So uh, Dodger <laughs> Stadium, the fifth through the seventh. Right. And then they come home and play the Giants. Uh, although I don't know at that point what the giants will be, you know, are the giants going to invest in this team? Are they going to sell? It's hard to say. I mean, they, they certainly don't look like a playoff team Um, at this point. I don't know what sort of assets they have in, in terms of, you know, trying to deal, but if they do have anybody, you would think they would be more seller than buyer at this point, unless, and I've seen a couple of writers up there mention this, unless they could go and get Juan Soto. Right. And there's a team that could afford him for sure. And they can afford him long-term. And so theirs could be a real long-term investment. I'm not clear on where they're at with their, I know it's better than it was. It was a disaster, Um, but I'm not clear where they are on their farm system. Um, Right. So uh, it's several teams. I mean, I I don't think like, you know, the, the Padres in the past have have sort of bid against themselves a couple different, a couple different times on, on people. And, but I don't think that's the case this time. I mean, I, I, it seems like there's enough talk that the Giants could be interested, certainly the Dodgers, certainly the Cardinals, certainly the Mets, um, I, you know, I, the Yankees, I, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're sort of the usual suspects, but there, there would be several teams that you would think would be in on this. And uh, and maybe Soto doesn't get dealt. I mean, maybe it doesn't mm-hmm. happen until the offseason. It's it's complicated. And, 
And the good thing is that, you know, we're only we're only a week and a day away from the deadline where we don't have to worry about it anymore after. after it's complicated. But at some point, Jay, I think everybody both in the business and I've seen some some good pieces on it as well is of the opinion that at some point the, the nationals need, you know, just need to be like, we're not going to win this trade. We are going yeah. to lose a generational. And I almost feel like I'm not giving Juan Soto enough credit when I say he's a generational talent, right? Right, uh, right. But we are losing one of the best players in the game. We're not going to win this trade. How do we best build our, um, our, our organization? Because it's, so that's not really that complicated. What's the best deal? There's three yeah. pennant races. That's how everyone <laughs> in the game is looking at this. Everyone that wants him. There's three pennant races to get Juan Soto. After this year, there's two. Yeah. So yeah. trade him now. Trade him yeah. now. Trade him today. Just wherever he goes, trade him so it's done and we can get on with other speculation and rumors and all that sort of. Uh, so uh, reg- that I hear a lot, Jay, from people who think the Padres should let Nick Martinez finish out a ninth inning in a close game or Adrian Morajone or or almost anyone else. Right. Or that they should go trade for a closer. And so I'm working on something. And, and yes, the numbers are terribly ugly for Taylor Rogers. He does lead the major leagues in saves. And yeah, I mean, it's a weird stat. I mean, it's kind of a bogus stat. His, it, it is. his peripherals aren't great, but he's also and he's also seems to have, have pitched in a little bit of bad luck. I mean, his whip is only at, right at one. He doesn't walk it. You know, he's only got eight walks. I know he's hit a couple of guys uh, or a few guys. But, yeah, I mean, there are times where he looks shaky. I, I admit when he goes out there, it's you don't get the sense of, of great confidence that I think, you know, we've, we've had in the past when we've watched some of the Padre closers and even when we watched Rogers earlier in the season, but I, I don't know that that, I, I don't know where the, what the priority level of that is. And, they and also I also don't, don't know what's available. Trees. They don't grow on trees. Yeah, right. What's a, you know, who's a, who is available. And I, and I thought that, you know, seeing Martinez pitching in the eighth inning, I, now, obviously, last night he didn't have good results, but Martinez pitching late seems like a good thing. Morahone was incredible the other night. I mean, he was 98-99 uh, with, with all of his fastballs and just blowing guys away. You know, maybe he could be the eighth-inning guy at some point. So, um, But is anybody else going to be a ninth, the ninth-inning guy? Right now, I think, I, think you, I think you stick with Rodgers and, um, you know, they, they haven't blown any games lately, right? Uh, but they've certainly been. It seems like they've been on the edge. There and and I did ask Bob Melvin, and he is a believer, as most people are, that those last three outs are different than the eighth inning outs, the seventh. You don't know till you put someone in it. Now that cuts yep. both ways. Okay, do you you know at some point do you have to give someone a shot? But look, I can tell you that Nick Martinez is more fired up to come in a close game than a uh, you know than than not a close game. Uh, I can tell you that Nabil Chrismat's command isn't as good when the game's close. And everyone knows right. how much I love Nabil Chrismat, but, you know, it's different to come in down three or up four than to come in protecting a one-run lead. Now, he's got – Nabil Chrismat's gotten the job done and with a one-run lead. I'm just telling you, he's not as sharp. Now, the theory goes on the team is because of the situation. I mean, it affects everyone – Except right, the select right. few 
I mean, heck, it probably affects them. But the psychology of being a closer, and I'm not saying Taylor Rogers is an elite closer, but he's the Padres. It, 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 I know they believe this, so that's what's really important. He is by far their best option, is what they believe. Yeah, and I, I at this point, I would not argue that. Um, but I, you know, does that mean a couple of weeks from now that they need to try something else? Maybe, but we'll see. Yeah, what, the, the uh, numbers are we'll the numbers are ugly. But I'll tell you this: when I he knew it was bad that uh, the the batting average on balls in play and all that, and he knew that his FIP was good. Um, and he, he's the one who told me what his FIP was because the coaches had told him, I think as a, uh-huh. probably as a part of, he's talked about them trying to build his confidence up. So, but he didn't know what his, uh, batting average balls in play was over like a month. And when I told him that it was six nineteen, <laughs> like he stopped in his tracks and he's like, how's that even possible? Yeah. It, it was, it was six nineteen over like seven games. It was like four ninety over a month. It's like, that's some bad luck. Now, again, like he hits batters, uh, and you know, in, in bad situations, and and I'm not trying to sugarcoat it, but the Padres believe that he is by far their best option, and it's not as simple as saying, "Oh, well, Nick Martinez should just finish that," or or person B should should come in. It, it, it's just not that simple. Yeah, his FIP is two point four, by the way. Um, at this point, which uh, is good, you know, we'll see what happens. He, he has gotten, you know, he's gotten hit some and he's gotten on the edge, but he's also gotten out of a lot of stuff. He Um, does get hit some. He's not your, uh, he's not coming in. He's not going to blaze the ball past guys. Uh, You know? So anyway, wanted to address, I do, I get like a lot, of course you do about relief pitchers. It's always one of the big, one of the big ones. Uh, So go ahead. I was just going to say, we've said before, if you knew, you know, relief pitchers are going to give up runs. If you knew when it was going to happen, you know, you would find somebody else on that day. But there's no there's no way to know. And you just have to put out the guys that, you you know, that you think are your best guys. And I, I don't think there's any question right now that Rodgers is their best um, is their best option there. And um, he did. See, he seems like the slider is not quite as sharp, maybe, as it was earlier Um early yeah. in the season, but I haven't studied every, you know, I don't and studied every pitch or whatever. So I, I, I don't know. And is he gun shy? Cause he hit a couple guys with the, on the back foot or whatever. Cause people certainly aren't moving their foot out of the way. No, um, I will say this about him. He's got there. a closer mentality. I mean, if you, uh, if you ever talk to him or you see him or, you know, as the coaches say that low heartbeat, you know, yeah. uh, or he's got so no heartbeat. Oh my gosh. Uh, so he's, he's got that mentality. He's been spending a, a fair amount of time talking with uh, Trevor Hoffman. All I remember is I was, I was talking to Taylor, tell him about this. When I was covering the chargers, every once in a while I'd check in on the Padres coverage or see what people were saying. Uh, at that time it was on talk radio uh, more than say Twitter. And, yeah. you know, I was really engrossed into the, the, the chargers, right. I was a casual Padres fan. I was, uh, um, but I thought Tre- I thought Trevor Hoffman's career was over seven or eight times in there because of how bad he sucked, according right, to what I was right. hearing. So this is something that you know this is something that even statue worthy closers go through. Yeah, no, I'm not comparing the two. The I'm just saying. No, no. <laughs> All right, Kevin, it's time for you to go and 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 see Comerica Park and complete your uh, your your entire journey of seeing every ballpark in Major League Baseball. Congrats on that. 
Friday, you will be back. We'll do this again. You'll be back here at Boring Old America's Techno. number one ballpark. Oh, oh, oh that's right. Who could, forget, uh, who could forget that? The Twins will be in town. We will discuss another interleague series against a much better team. Jace Tingler return. The, the return of Jace Tingler. How could I forget that? So, Thanks, everybody. Have a good week, everyone. <laughs>